Welcome in everyone to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Happy Draft Monday, y'all. Yep. Uh, is the return of Chris? <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's been a little over a week now that since I've been on, but I'm back and I'm ready for the draft. Let's go. Yes, sir. Well, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, USFL Week 2 recaps. And then uh, we had a massive trade happen during Logan and I's property class. You know, that went down. Um, <laughs> and uh, just a couple couple news notes. And then uh, we'll preview USFL Week 3 because we won't have a Friday show to do that. And then we'll finish up with Logan's personal complete first-round mock draft. Wait, before we get into it, I'm sure you were going to say it during the outro, but uh, what's our schedule for this week? Are we doing a Wednesday show now, right? Yes. Yeah, we will We will have our, our show complete mock draft, first-round mock on Wednesday time if, I mean... Six central to seven eastern, if that's good. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, time is TBD at this point. And then we will start at 7.45 eastern on Thursday night. You'll, you'll see. I'm going to feel like Goodell in the... Uh, the the two the COVID drafts because <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting in my chair in my living room. <laughs> I might change my chair to the uh, to the lounger. I don't know. I gotta see. Maybe I'll switch it out like he did halfway through the, <laughs> the draft last year. Um, all right, but starting off here. USFL Week 2. This was the only game I got right this weekend. I fell, had a fall from grace. Uh, I am now 5-3 in, in my USFL picks. I shouldn't have ever sent that text in the group chat that I went 5-0 and after, after uh, Friday night, and then I went 0-3 the rest of the weekend. Um, but, yeah, the Generals get their first win of the season, 10-6 to over the Michigan Panthers. Um, this was an absolutely horrendous game. <laughs> uh, quarterback play was terrible. Um, I mean, DeAndre Johnson was pretty good. So was Louis Perez in terms of, you know, completion percentage. It's just they didn't throw it very far. Uh, Perez threw a pick. Yeah, there just was nothing on offense for either team. Um, you know, Victor scored. The game-winning touchdown uh, because it was six nothing early for Cameron Scarlett and the Panthers, and then Generals got a field goal, and then eventually Darius Victor punched it in. Uh, but yeah, leading receiver, former Packer Logan Darius Shepard, five for fifty-eight for the Generals, his first significant action of the season, off six targets. Depending on the draft goes, he might be a Packer again. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, defensively, uh, I'm going to go with Orion Stewart on the losing end for the defensive player of the game anyways. Uh, Panther safety there, five tackles, three solos, a pick, and two pass deflections. Did you get a chance to watch the games? I know you said you were, go you were going to, Logan. I did not. I did <laughs> not. I found myself sucked into trial briefs, outlining, and Bucks basketball. So I did not. <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, gotten a chance to watch any of these games either, but from what I've seen from the highlights and stuff and, like, all the – hype about it it does seem like it's a lot of fun um and i probably should get into it but uh i mean rusty obviously you're the one of us that's been watching these games been paying attention the most but i know it's not nfl level but is it at least on par with like the fcs that we watched last year yeah i mean i think it's been pretty good ball uh this game was an outlier for this weekend in terms of points because last weekend there weren't a lot of points scored i think the high score last weekend was 28 um for a team this weekend we had a bunch of points scored especially on saturday uh both both scores the two games on saturday were were very high scoring um mm. and then we'll get into the sunday game eventually <laughs> Are there a lot of recognizable names in this league, or no? Uh, at quarterback, yeah. I think some of the other positions there are. Um, you know. But not really to the average fan? No, I don't think there's as many names as like we saw with the, both, the the, both the AAF and the XFL's original return. Um some of the teams do have quite a few notable players, but I mean, like, like here, you know, Shea Patterson, Louis Perez plays in, played in both the AAF and the XFL. Um, Mark, what is up, man? What up, guys? <laughs> Good to hear your guys' voices. <laughs> Happy Draft Monday to you, sir. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, you know, Lance Lenore played for the Cowboys for a couple of years. He's one of the more notable ones. Chris Orr was a Wisconsin standout. His brother, Zach Orr, with the Ravens for a bunch of years. Um, and Devontae Bosby has been around the league, too. I know he played for the Eagles and uh, for the Broncos, most notably. Um, the Generals covered, though, minus one. Under 40.5 hit in this one. Saturday... The Philadelphia Stars won the Battle of Pennsylvania, beating the Pittsburgh Ballers to get their first win, 30-23. to uh, Brian Scott was outstanding. I mean, I think he is still the leading passer in the league. I'd have to check that, but he has 474 total yards passing through two games. Uh, three touchdowns in this one, and... I mean, it's crazy, man. Division three, Occidental College. Um, I don't know. Mark's our college guy. I don't know if you know too much about Occidental, Mark. I've uh, heard 
they usually are pretty good in baseball. Yeah. Uh, Brian Scott was, was very good there. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, but, yeah, he also ran one in for a touchdown, completed the first ever three-point conversion in league history to – that's uh, so awesome. Paul Terry lining it up on the 10-yard line after the touchdown. The, uh, I mean, Josh Love was, was pretty good in his own right. He did throw two interceptions. One was a, a big tip. I think that was the last one that, that ended the game, essentially. Just a couple of kneel downs after that. But, um yeah, I was imp- I was pretty impressed by Josh Love. They didn't play their other quarterback. Um, I'm blanking on who that was, who played in week one. Uh, Kyle Lawletta. They didn't they didn't play Lawletta. Like I said, partly because Josh Love was doing very good. Uh, another Wisconsin guy, Garrett Groshek. He led the way running the ball, 18 for 77. Good average there. Um, I was shot, pretty surprised by Paul Terry leading the the uh, backs for Philly because that's – I mean, he uh, he didn't even get a carry last week, I don't think. Um, they were running it with Darnell Holland a, a, lot, a bunch last week. But uh, Terry got – most of the carries, I mean, they didn't. They barely ran the ball. They only ran it, including Scott's carries, sixteen times for forty-five yards. Horrible two-point-eight average there. But Bailey Gaither for Pittsburgh, uh, he and Josh Love already had a connection prior to coming to the USFL. They played together at San Jose State. Uh, he had a marvelous game, seven for one seventeen. The two targets that he didn't get, though, I know one of them he should have caught. Love dropped it into the bucket on the sideline, and Gaither couldn't come up with it. I don't remember the other one he didn't haul in, but marvelous game for him. Marvelous game for Maurice Alexander for the Stars as well. Eight for 87, two touchdowns on nine targets there. Uh, Jordan Sewell got 10 targets for the Stars. Um... Yeah, DeAndre Overton scored for Philly as well. Hunter Tedford uh, scored for the Maulers. And defensively, there weren't many stats um, in terms of, you know, how I like to look for that three-plus um, extra stat category, not just tackles. Um, so there were only two guys outside of the 10-tackle mark that I always put on there. Ladarius Wiley led the way there. But Jalen McLean sat for Pittsburgh. That's my guy. Uh, three tackles, two solos, a pick six, 79 yards of the house. Um, or no, no, he had a pick, a pass deflection, and a fumble return, 75, 79 yards to the house. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Comeback late. Like I said, Josh Love threw a pick. Um, and then just a couple kneel downs for Brian Scott and the Stars. A couple things about this game. One... I'm just shouting out Ladarius Wiley there from Philly getting 10 tackles because I feel like double-digit tackles are hard for somebody in the secondary to get, especially a safety. Um, and two, I don't know if you discussed this. 
coming into the season or whatever, but you kind of just glossed over it here. So I was what, like the three point conversion thing. I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, so is that like replacing the two point conversion in the NFL, or is that in addition to like the two point conversion? Yeah. So on touchdowns in the USFL, you can go for one, two, or three. One and two are the same. It's the one point is a fifteen yard line kick. Uh, two is two yard line, um, two point conversion, and three is from the ten yard line. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That'd be interesting for like the NFL to implement, but I highly doubt they ever will. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy now because, um, you know, now a two score game is eighteen instead of sixteen. Uh, but yeah, Bailey Gaither is your USFL leading receiver right now. He has 159 total yards. And uh, I was right. Brian Scott is the leading passer, 474 yards through two games. Uh, that is, if my phone would like to load, uh, that is 58 yards more than the next guy, which is Kyle Slaughter. He also leads the league in passing touchdowns with four. Uh, and he leads the league in points, 33 total points for him. But anyways, uh, the stars did cover. I know Logan and I were like, bro, six and a half is way too much right now with these games going so close. And, of course, it landed at seven. Of course it did. <laughs> so they covered six and a, minus six and a half. Uh and the over 35 and a half hit. It got up a little bit before kickoff. I know I think we had it at 34 or 34 and a half on the show on Friday. Uh, kicked up a point or a half a point there. <laughs> the Stallions stay undefeated. The hometown team 33 to 28 over the Houston Gamblers. Um, you know, just another one I got wrong. That's the thing I was mad about the two games on Saturday. They were one score games, which made me mad. I was like, bro, I was so close to getting these right and going uh seven and one through two weeks instead of five and three. But alas, I, I did not get the right bounces in these two games. But yeah, Jamar Smith continues to be electric for uh Birmingham. You know. Again, last week came in for the injured Alex Magoo and was outstanding, especially on the ground. Didn't run it as well this week, only 8 for 31. Uh, but passing the ball, he was good. You know, three-quarters uh, or two-thirds completion percentage there. 229 yards, two touchdowns. Did throw a pick. Luckily for him, he only threw one. Uh, Clayton Thorson threw three. And uh, was not a good day for him nor was it a good day for Kenji Bahar either, uh, who got his first action of the season. was absolutely terrible. Um, one for six, nine yards. Thorson, though, I didn't think was terrible. That bad, even though the stats show show it, it was it was pretty bad. You know, again, they only they only lost by five, so it he didn't hamper them too much. You know, again. We always say, though, maybe if he doesn't throw three, if he only throws two or one, maybe they win. Who knows? But uh, 
Running-wise, Mark Thompson continues to have a good season. Uh, he is your USFL leading rusher, 164 yards through two games. Um, C.J. Marable is your rushing touchdowns leader. I believe he's tied for that, Mark, considering he only has two. Uh, yeah, he's tied with T.J. Logan with uh, two rushing touchdowns on the season. Uh, Marlon Williams led the game in receiving. His first significant action, former UCF receiver, was really good there. Three for 88 and touchdown on all three of his targets there. Tyler Simmons, Mark, disappointed in this game. Very much so. Uh, Georgia boy there. Two receptions, 53 yards. Did score a touchdown, but he only caught two out of ten targets. Yeah, he had 10 targets and only two catches. Yeah, I know a couple, at least one of those was a drop. Uh, I think okay. a couple of the other ones were misfires on the quarterback's part. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, two for 10, that sounds atrocious even for, like, the worst receiver. So I feel like that's not all on the receiver. You just said he had the one drop that you know of. He might have had, like, one or two more, but... I think he had no at most that, two. Yeah. There's no way that he missed, like, seven targets there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Osiris Mitchell continues to have a good season. He is your USFL uh, touchdown leader, tied with Maurice Alexander, the Stars, who we just talked about, and Isaiah Zuber uh, with the Gamblers with two touchdowns receiving. Uh, three for 48, touchdown on seven targets. He also had Victor Bolden. Massive workload for him, but not many yards. 4.9 per reception on eight catches uh, for 39 yards, but 12 targets for the Stallions receiver. He did put the ball on the ground once. Uh, like I said, Zuber scored. Uh, Donald Payne, dude. Donald Payne continues just to dominate and rack up tackles. This man is absolutely crazy. 15 more tackles, eight of them solos in this game. Bro, he has 33 tackles through two games. I mean, he had 19 last week. Uh, so maybe they stack corrected to 18 or 14. I was going to say, 19 plus 15 is 34. So. I don't know. They had to stack correct either this game or the last one. <laughs> Regardless, but, uh, he leads the league in tackles by a wide margin, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next guy the next guy only has twenty one total tackles. There's two guys at twenty one tied for second. And he also in solo tackles too, because we, you know, put more weight on those. He has not uh or no, hold on. He has seven more solo tackles than the next couple people that are tied at fourteen. Yeah, that guy's all over the field. But even the even the total tackles, though, that shows that yeah, he's in a lot of plays. He's making at least the half the tackle that he needs to. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately yeah. for him, it, it wasn't enough to get the game, <laughs> the win <laughs> for Houston. Uh, and we have two guys that scored. There were two defensive touchdowns in this game. Um, I like the bottom three guys on the list. I don't know if y'all want to vote for your player, defensive player of the game. 
But Will Likely, corner for the Gamblers, six tackles, five of them solo. He had a tackle for loss, a 62-yard pick six, a pass deflection, a forced fumble. Um, corner Brian Allen for the Stallions. He's one of my guys, former Steelers uh, draft pick. Three tackles, one of them solo, a uh, 48-yard pick six, and two pass deflections. And then linebacker Lorenzo Burns for the Stallions as well, two tackles, both of them solos, uh, two picks, and two pass deflections. Yeah, I think that Burns there deserves a lot of recognition because he might not have the touchdowns like the other two guys have, but he had two picks, which picks in themselves are game changers. You don't necessarily have to score on the interceptions to make an impact. So the fact that he got two of them, and he's a linebacker too, so that factors into it too. Yeah, he's actually tied with uh, Will Likely and uh, Channing Stribling for the Stars. They are at the top of the interceptions board, all having two. Um, the Stallions covered minus three over 41 hit. Wait, how long are these is this season? How many games? Ten regular season and two playoff games. Because, I mean, I don't know what, um, like what legal situations or whatever you want to call it, but the players that are in this league, can they opt out of their contracts after the season and sign with an NFL team? Yes. They can go to the NFL. However, they can't go to the XFL if the XFL would like to sign them. They, they, the teams own the rights to the players through twenty for two years. Twenty twenty four would be the first okay. time they are eligible to get out uh, and play in the XFL. No, because I was just thinking about it. Like going back to the guy Donald Payne. Like if he continues on that path that he's on right now. He might be on an NFL roster at the start of the NFL season. Yeah. Because if, if my math's correct, it'll all be done before the season starts. So. Yeah, the championship is July 3rd. Yeah, so that's even before training camp. Yeah. Or, I mean, the preseason, not training camp. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of these guys. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these guys making at least the initial uh what is it initial 90 right mm -hmm. training camp yeah so. but yeah unfortunately the uh the unders were not hitting uh at least this one this was the only one that we said under because it was over 40 and uh they put up some points in this game i didn't get to watch the second half of this game i had to work on saturday night uh, same thing with the, the Generals game. But, <laughs> yesterday, this was, <laughs> I literally hate myself so much for, for what I said on the Friday show. <laughs> I said, you know, this is going to be the best game of the week. It's the two best teams. It's my number one and my number two team uh, picked from my preseason picks. And, yeah. My number one team got annihilated by my number two team. 
The New Orleans defense was absolutely outstanding. They looked like the freaking 85 Bears out there. Uh, Kyle Sloter in his own right on offense was was great. 266, three total touchdowns. Uh, they had the – I think the, the Tampa defense just couldn't get off the field. It, they would get to so many third downs. And the thing is, early on – New Orleans went into the hurry-up offense, and it was just killing these guys. I mean, it was close to 80 degrees in in Birmingham on yesterday, and the defensive players were just so tired. And it didn't help the fact that uh, their offense started the game with three straight three and outs. I mean, they were just back on the field so quickly uh, and no time to rest, and the New Orleans offense was not stopping. Uh, or slowing down. And yeah, my MVP pick, Jordan Tamu, struggled mightily. Uh, the pass rush was there all day for the breakers, and uh, he threw a, threw a pick. Uh, Brady White didn't fare any much better when he came in the game for his first touches this season. Uh, his pick was absolutely horrible. I mean, he threw it right to the corner. It, it wasn't even close. <laughs> so, uh, I definitely think they're going to have to stick with Ta'amu. His rushing ability uh, was pretty good at times in this game. But again, Kyle Sloter and his story, I don't if y'all don't know about Kyle Sloter's story, Northern Colorado didn't even start there at, at quarterback. He, he played it. Uh, he started as a wide receiver and then had to go into the game in their second game of the season. I think it was his junior year and uh, put up like 400-something yards and, and three touchdowns. And they were like, all right, you're, you're good. You're our guy. <laughs> and then has bounced around from camp to camp. Uh, preseason standout with the Vikings in a couple of their seasons. Um, but, yeah, Kyle Sloter has the breakers at 2 and 0 right now. And like I said, he's uh he has the second most passing yards right now in the league. Uh the TJ Logan another touchdown. Like I said, he's tied for the league lead with two rushing touchdowns. Jordan Ellis though, 64 yards on the ground. He led the game in that respect. Uh Cheyenne O'Grady wasn't as big of a factor in this game. But, uh, yeah, he he led the Bandits. I don't think he led the game. Yeah, I forgot to put some stats on here, y'all. Uh, some some key stats, too. I forgot to put the, uh, the receiving stats for uh, New Orleans, which there were some pretty good games <laughs> for, for New Orleans. But before I talk about that, Cheyenne O'Grady, though, was the leading receiver for the Bandits, two for 21, three targets. I had to write this down so I would remember it. Cheyenne O'Grady, I, I'm just saying, he looked like Gronk out there, man. One of his receptions, he bowled through, like, four different people, was stiff-arming people left and right. All he needs is the elbow brace, and I think he'd, he'd look almost like an exact match. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, New Orleans receiving, though, our guy, I was, even though the Bandits lost, I was happy this guy had a really great game for New Orleans because we mentioned him on Friday, Logan. Jonathan Adams, Arkansas State receiver, five catches, 92 yards, nine targets. And he had a couple one-handed grabs that he just went up and mossed the guy. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous, the, especially with the one catch he had. Yeah, Jonathan Adams needs to be on an NFL team this summer. Like he just needs to be. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Dixon. Todd Haley's got connections. <laughs> well, Todd Haley's the Bandits uh, Bandits uh, head coach, though, Mark. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one receiver that did good. Oh, no, yeah, I was talking about the, the Breakers receiver, Jonathan Adams. Um, also for New Orleans, Johnny Dixon, five catches, 42 yards, touchdown on nine targets. Uh, Sean Poindexter scored a touchdown as well. Um, yeah, that was the receiving for the Breakers. Defensively, I had to go uh, the defensive tackle there, Camilo Tongamoa. For the breakers, three tackles, all of them solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a pass deflection. Vontae Diggs is another guy that's been having a good season through two games so far on defense. Uh, the breakers, plus two and a half. They're the only underdog to win this weekend. Under 40 and a half, though. That's crazy. It's crazy. You got one team scoring 34, and you still can't get the over. <laughs> All right. Let's get the NFL news here. Like I said, there was a massive trade around, uh, is it like 350 Central or something like that? Uh, here we go. <laughs> we got the Texans. They uh they traded their their sixth and seventh round selections number one eighty three and two forty five to the Patriots, uh for the Patriots fifth rounder number one seventy, um, again Billy Billy B just just stacking the the picks, um they didn't have a seventh round pick, so they get one now add a sixth rounder Texans didn't have a fifth round pick so they get one now, they already have like multiple sixth rounders so. Yeah, I find this I, trade really. <laughs> Go ahead. I I didn't know about this trade, so when you said that there was a massive trade, I was very confused. I was like, <laughs> I definitely would have heard of a massive trade. I thought you were serious about the massive part. It's this so. thing in Devo. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I. That's a whole other story that I'm sure we'll talk about on Wednesday or Thursday when it happens. But um. Yeah, this is just a. I was not expecting this slide at all. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, this trade, because it feels like a, a draft day trade, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, what are the Texans trading up for? Like, <laughs> they don't know who's going to be there yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they must really like how their board looks, like, around the fifth round. <laughs> yeah. I mean... To, to move up, you know, 13 picks is, you know, you got to do it. 
maybe maybe Nick Cesario uh, has something something planned for you know later on Saturday that he he doesn't want to pick in the seventh round. He's got to get out <laughs> get out to a party or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, Patriot connection obviously is uh, working well once again. Okay. Other NFL news. There's there's not much. There was literally it was so quiet this weekend. <laughs> there was no news going on because everyone was waiting for today uh-huh. and this week to start breaking everything. Uh, so a couple draft nuggets here. The Panthers not expected to trade for Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield prior to the first round on Thursday, uh, if they do at all. Uh, I pray to God that they do not trade for him at all. We already have one of the top three picks from that draft class. We do not need two. That's why I want them to trade for him, because I think it would just be hilarious that they had the top two quarterbacks from that draft. Well, at that rate, we might as well trade for Saquon, too. Get all three of, get all three of the top three picks in there. Run the wishbone. Run the wishbone with Saquon and McCaffrey. That'd be sick. The issue is, I don't even know how the Panthers would trade for Baker in the first place. Because they don't have any picks. They don't have any picks from rounds two through rounds two and three. They don't have a pick. And I would highly doubt the Browns trade Baker for anything lower than a third round pick. Considering yeah. he's still young. Granted, he only has one year on his contract left. But he's still a young quarterback, and he has won. And been to the playoffs, you know. I don't think it was necessarily him, though, but he had a good team around him that year. Well, I don't know. I think a better quarterback would have brought the Browns further in that playoff. Maybe. I don't remember who they played in the divisional round. We don't have to talk about the wild card game. (laughs) Well, they didn't win that game either. The Steelers just lost that game. They played the Chiefs, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just played the Chiefs, but they they lost because Mahomes, Mahomes was still out. Chad, then, Chad Henney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chad Henney got him. <laughs> uh, next thing here. Uh, I know Chris is interested in this one. So... Shefty put out this morning, there's a surplus of teams in the top 10 specifically trying to trade out. No one wants to come up right now. I mean, there's no... We talked about this on Friday a little bit, too. And there's just no players that teams are willing to spend future first-round picks for to come up multiple spots into the top 10. Well... I don't know if you heard about this one specifically, but I saw something on Twitter earlier. I forget who I saw posted it, but something about the Eagles willing to move up to four with the Jets using their two first-round picks for for Gardner. Again, I I don't think – you know, I think the Eagles – are the most likely of anyone to make a trade because Howie Roseman likes to likes to do deals, um, especially 
he's he's very good at fleecing people out of out of picks. Um, but I I think the Eagles are content now with two first round picks, um, and the capital that they have next year. I just don't think they would be willing to. As great as Sauce is, I don't think they're a corner away. I think they need that extra pick to get a receiver and something else on defense, whatever position that is. Yeah, and I've also heard from the Jets' Twitter and all that that uh, that the uh, 49ers – are interested in the number ten pick if they do trade Debo there. I I don't know if I like that because, I mean, we got the details of the Tyreek deal that would have happened, and that was for the two second round picks, which I know, with the value chart or whatever, it's kind of an equal thing. But I'd still rather get rid of the two second round picks rather than the tenth overall pick. Right. Yeah, and I mean the Niners. Yeah, I mean that—that's their only chip to get into the first round. I mean, they're drafting at sixty-one right now, so. Yeah, and then I mean you gotta you gotta give up a top ten pick, and then you gotta pay the guy twenty-five million a year. That's uh-huh. that's the thing. So, I mean, you could get a guy who, I mean, there's only one Debo, right? So I mean, he is valuable, but I mean, you could get an effective rookie at that position at ten. Who is much cheaper and would still be effective in that offense? And I also and then, don't think that Debo's worth the twenty-five million that he wants either. Right. Yeah. Well, especially since he's talking about how he doesn't want to play the hybrid role. Well, I mean, that's that's essentially where his value is. You want him to do that. So, and then for teams looking to move up into the draft, I mean, the reason why. Uh, no one wants to move up is not only because it's a weaker draft class, but I mean, you got to think about the opportunity cost. Like, for example, when we were talking about the Eagles, would you rather have Sauce Gardner or Jameis Williams and like Trump McDuffie or Andrew Booth? There's somebody, you know, two guys. Kobe Dean. Right. Yep. So I think we are going to see movement in the draft. But I don't think it's going to be these, like, blockbuster Team X moves into the top five type deal. I think it's going to be more like Saints move up with, you know, the Vikings six spots to get X player. I think you're going to see more of that. Yeah, I definitely think that the bigger trades are going to be towards the end of the first or even in the second round on Friday. There's going to be a lot more of the bigger jumps rather than early on Thursday night. Yeah, yep. I, I think I saw – I was watching ESPN a little bit. They were valuing um, Debo at 13. 13th overall pick is what Debo is valued at right now. So um, – do it that way you will. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I've already stated my my issues with with drafting for a guy like Debo. So. Uh, and then just one other thing: the Bears 
got some offensive line depth help. Uh, they signed Colts offensive tackle Julian Davenport to a one-year deal today. Um, pretty good uh, backup for the Bears. Going to be their swing tackle, I would think. Um, they have a couple guys there with uh, Larry Borum going into his second year. And Tevin Jenkins as well. So... Yeah. I can't wait till uh, next week after the draft when the rest of these big name free agents start going off the board again. Yeah, Tyron Matthew, number yeah, one, Matthew, number one free agent available. Jones, Jadavian Clowney, Earl Thomas. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jets need safety help yet? No. <laughs> All right. Um, I forgot to I forgot to put these these slides in here. My bad. But uh, USFL week three. So uh, we have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Um, so on Saturday, first game here, one and one teams, the uh, Tampa Bay Bandits against uh, the Houston Gamblers. That is four p.m. on. Fox. I don't think we have odds out yet. Um, oh, we do. Okay. Tampa is a one and a half point favorite. Total is uh, over under 39. And, you know, I, I really don't know who to go with. It's... I'm probably gonna have to stick with Tampa. I mean, they are, they they still were my number one team in the preseason. I like their defense still. Um, you know when it when you look at the the matchup, they uh, they win most of the categories that are listed here, anyways. Um, except for points. That's the only one they, they lose big time. They're only averaging, with their three spot, they're only averaging 10 points a game uh, right now. So they put up 17 in week one. Uh, the Gamblers are 22 and a half points because they put up 28. Uh, but, again, I think it's the defense, man. The, the Bandits are allowing less than 100 yards rushing per game. Uh, the the gamblers have a rushing problem on defense. They're allowing 179 rushing yards per game. Jeez. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I know it's a small sample. It's only two games, but still, 179 yards a game is a lot. Yeah. Uh, and also, again, with the defense of Tampa, they're allowing 18 and a half points per game. So under what Houston is averaging for two. The issue I see, though, is Tampa doesn't have a good running attack. They are only averaging 97 rushing yards per game. Um, so it's one of those, like, which weakness will prevail? Will it be the Houston rushing defense or the Tampa rushing offense? I don't know. 
Because the same thing on the other side, though. You know, I already mentioned Tampa's defensive rushing statistics. Houston is pretty good at running the ball. 118.5 rushing yards per game. Not, you know, the best, but is more than Tampa's giving up on the ground. This might sound stupid, but I think it really depends on the score of the game. <laughs> Meaning, like, obviously, the situation of the game, like, the the team that's leading normally runs the ball more. So whoever scores first is going to probably start and all that. So, I mean, I guess it really depends on, like I said, who scores first and who scores more. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to have to be on Tamu's shoulders. Uh, the Gamblers are giving up almost 200 passing yards per game, and I think he has to be the guy that he was in Week One. Um, when he put up 185 yards, you know, you just can't th- throw two interceptions like you did week one. But, yeah, I think they have to pass the ball because I'm not so sure about their running. B.J. Emmons and Jawan Washington, I'm not so sure about their running backs. So... And in terms of Houston's uh, rushing attack, they have the leading rusher in the league. Mark Thompson, 164 rushing yards. Had a 93-yard performance in the loss. But their issue is turning the ball over. You know, Clayton Thorson threw three picks. Kenji Bahar was terrible as well. So, it's really... You know, this game is going to come down to which quarterback bounces back, I think. And I think it's going to be Tom, Jordan Tom, who's going to do it. I think Todd Haley is an experienced coach. Oh, he'll get him up to play for the game. I like it. I like it. Sticking to your guns, doubling down on Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, so like I said, 4 p.m. on Fox over under is 39 right now. I don't again. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that number. 39. Like, what is that? But yeah, I I noticed that when you were going over the recaps, these over unders seem to be very low in this league. Well, that's because week I, I get one the quality of play and all that, but still, week one the the uh, the first game went over I think it was and then the all the rest of the three games in week one went under and again we saw two out of the four this weekend go over because of high scoring games on Saturday uh, and just a weird game yesterday so yeah again I don't know what to do with 39 with a team that's averaging 22 and a half versus a team that's averaging 10 Defense wins. I would think so. But I'm, I mean, that but seems Houston's, to be the... Uh, Houston's given up 22 and a half. <laughs> no, but defenses seem to be the theme of the league so far. I mean, I don't know if that's more the defense being good or the quality of the quarterbacks not being good, but defenses seem to win out so far in the, what, eight games that they've played so far? I think it's more the quarterback. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Because I don't think there's been a game yet that we haven't had an interception. <laughs> not, not Probably to, not. Not that I can remember, anyways. But that's the first game. The second game on Saturday, the Stallions, hometown Stallions, 2-0. It's a 2-0, 2-0 matchup. They are playing the New Orleans Breakers. And, I mean, that's – I said about – the Tampa New Orleans game was going to be good. I mean, I can't think that this Stallions Breakers game is not going to be good, especially from what we saw uh, this weekend. Jamar Smith is up for Player of the Week again. He was Week One Player of the Week. He's up for Player of the Week again this week, I think. Uh, and looking at the stats, I mean, I I don't have the entire league stats. I'm just looking at the game preview here on the Fox Sports app. All the stats go towards New Orleans, except for two key things. Points per game. The Stallions, I would have to think, are leading the leading the league in points per game. They're averaging 30.5 points per game right now. Uh, and they're also, they also beat out New Orleans by a couple yards in passing yards, 213.5 per game. But all the rest of the stats, man... They are in the favor of the Breakers. Uh, they're only allowing 10 points per game, 118.5 passing yards per game, 101.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, and offensively in their own right, they, they score 28.5 points per game too. Um, so I, I'm going with New Orleans again. I, they're my second team from the preseason. Kyle Sloter is is doing a marvelous job on offense for them. And, uh, yeah, their defense is ferocious. They have the leading sacker in the league. My boy from Georgia, Davin Bellamy, leads the league with four sacks. Had a hat trick in week one. Um, got another one last week. And uh, Jordan Ellis, TJ Logan do a good job running the ball. And like I said, Jonathan Adams had a breakout game last week. They got Johnny Dixon and uh, Sean Poindexter. Taewon Taylor is on this team, too. That's a name for you that, that we know. Um, and, you know, as far as the Stallions, like I said, Jamar Smith has really taken control of the quarterback position. Still don't know what Alex Magoo's injury situation is, but uh, C.J. Marable. Tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns with two. Um, and, you know, they have some receivers in their own right. Marlon Williams, Osiris Mitchell, and uh, Victor Bolden Jr. So I think it's going to be a good game. I just don't know if the offenses are going to win out with both high-scoring attacks or if the defenses are going to win out. Uh, what does Birmingham... See, Birmingham gives up. See, now that's a problem. That's that's there you go. That's why I think New Orleans is going to win. Birmingham gives up 26 points per game. <laughs> yeah. And they give up 180 rushing yards per game. That was a factor. That's why I thought um That's why I picked the Generals to beat the Panthers because 
in week one, the Generals put up 223 rushing yards on Birmingham. So I think that's that's what New Orleans needs to do in this game. Not throw it as much with Kyle Sloter. Run the ball with Jordan Ellis. Uh, and what was the other guy I said? I'm blanking on the other running back. TJ Logan. Yeah, they need to run the ball. Birmingham can't stop the run. So. Yeah, because they gave up. How many they gave up on, on Saturday here? Yeah, they gave up another 169 rushing yards on Saturday. So 223 and 169 are the two games defensively for them against the running attack. That one is uh, the the Breakers are a three-point favorite. Over-under is 44-and-a-half. So, again, which, yeah, one, which one do you think well, wins, offense or defense? And this one, I think the it sounds like it might win this one. The the word offense. Yeah, I I would go the over in this one, just based on the numbers you were just saying. The what was it two, two what? With the rushing statistics. Yeah, the rushing stuff. Birmingham, there are two games, two twenty three and one sixty nine. Yeah, so that's already over 400 yards in two games. That's pretty good. So I expect them to get close to 200, if not over 200 again. Uh, that's how many they've given up. Oh, give, well, yeah. then I expect New Orleans to do that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one is uh, – that's the highest over-under we've had this season is 44 and a half um 8 p.m on fox saturday night that one was actually switched uh they were initially supposed to play in the next slot but they kicked them to saturday's primetime game instead makes sense it's, home, it's the best game of the weekend probably so. that and it's the hometown team they have the best the best crowd for every one of their games uh, tickets just ten dollars, y'all. Kids get in free. So yeah, I might have to go to to the uh, what, what's the Jersey team called again? The Generals, but they're all played in. They're all playing in Birmingham, dude. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're not playing. They're not traveling. They're all. They're all in the same facility. Oh well, that's stupid. Then. <laughs> it cuts travel costs in a startup season. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, okay, Sunday's games. We have the first one, the Pittsburgh Maulers against the Michigan Panthers. Battle of 0-2 teams here. Someone needs to get on the board with a win. Uh, and these two teams are absolutely terrible, man. I mean, it is, it is atrocious. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh putting up 13 points per game. You think, how can it get any worse than that? But it can. It, it really can when you have Jeff Fisher leading the Michigan Panthers uh, because they are scoring nine points per game, y'all. Oh. Yep, nine. Uh, they lost 17-3 to 
in week one to the Bandits, and they lost 10-6 to six against the Generals last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, However, though, I think the Panthers are going to win. Michigan's defense is fantastic. Uh, 13 and a half points per game they're giving up right now. Like I said, they've only given up 17 and 10 in two games. Uh, the the Maulers defense, however, 23 and a half points per game. They were outstanding in their week one second half um, against the Bandits. Oh, wait, hold on. Who did the Panthers play week one? They only put up three points, though. Are they... Never mind. They're averaging nine because they have 18 total points. They lost to the Gamblers 17 to 12 week one. The Maulers, though, 17 to three week one uh, against the Bandits. They shut them out in the second half. It was 17 nothing at halftime. Um, but a good performance in the second half. They just couldn't keep up uh, this past weekend with the stars and the passing attack by of Brian Scott. So that's an issue for their defense. They give up 219 passing yards per game. Uh, but their rushing defense is fantastic. 54 and a half rushing yards allowed per game. <laughs> so granted, that's against two teams that don't run the ball very well. Tampa and Philly are not good running attacks. So that... I think that kind of skews the statistics in the favor of Pittsburgh. But, I mean, and, and Michigan is is a decent running attack, 131.5 rushing yards per game. So, But I, I think it's the Michigan defense that gets it done in the game, despite the atrocious offense of Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch. Uh, you know, I thought Josh Love took a big step this past weekend but I'm not sure he can uh, he can beat out the Panthers defense I think the Panthers defense is going to score a touchdown like we've seen defensive touchdowns being scored maybe that's maybe that wins the game I don't know and also 23 and a half points giving up per game for the Maulers defense so yeah. Wait, is it possible to tie in this league or no? Uh, no. Because <laughs> I was going to say, we could still end up with two winless teams after this weekend if that was possible. Because their overtime procedures, uh, once they go to overtime, it is a three-round shootout of two-point conversions, um, just like the NHL. And then... Uh, if it's still tied after that, then they go to sudden death, where it's the same. It's it's literally the same thing as the NHL shootout. You know, whoever gets a two point conversion and then one doesn't, that team wins. So, yeah. And awesome. they count. They count for the score too. So that will be an interesting thing, in terms of people betting the over under. Mm-hmm. You know, we could see something like that where it keeps keeps going up and then like the under betters throw stuff at their TV cuz they had the under in regulation. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah. I'm calling the bold prediction now that this game is going to be the first overtime game in the league. What do you think? 0-0 in regulation? 
<laughs> Something's gonna have to score eventually. Imagine if it ends two nothing. <laughs> game great. winning, game winning two point conversion in the uh, in the fourth round of the shootout. <laughs> Oof. Uh, this one is Sunday, May first at two thirty Eastern on USA Network. Yeah, that's how you know that nobody cares about this game. Two thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I will be simultaneously watching. I'll have this game on my computer, but the NASCAR race is more important. I'll have that on my TV. Actually. Oh yeah, because the the Penguins will be done with their regular season by Saturday. So, um, okay, the other game on Sunday, one and one teams here. Sunday night, the Generals against the Stars. Um, yeah, I'm going Philly. I'm I'm kicking myself very much for naming them as my my last place team in my preseason predictions. I just didn't believe in the quarterbacks. Brian Scott and Case Cookus are the quarterbacks for Philly. And I just they were from small schools and I just didn't I didn't believe in them. And I hadn't seen them with any NFL experience um in terms of being in camp or anything. So um I had at least heard of Case Cookus. I had never heard of Brian Scott before. Uh, so well, he's proven you wrong so far. I know. And he's going to continue to do it. And he's going to more than likely outshine my my 1-9 prediction <laughs> for Philly. I mean, they already got the 1, so unless they lose <laughs> out, yeah, you got that one. But, yeah, I, I think that Philly's going to win this game. Brian Scott's just too good, man. The passing attack, 215 and a half yards per game. Now, what I hate is that they don't do stats like the NFL. They do it like college. They uh, subtract sack yards from the passing uh, numbers. So, that sucks. <laughs> but, anyways. Um, yeah, 215 and a half. Yards per game, though, passing. 23.5 points per game, pretty decent. Not the best, but good enough. The thing is, can Philly's defense stop the number one rushing attack in the league in the New Jersey Generals? They're averaging 168 rushing yards per game. Uh, the only issue is they only score 17. Good thing is both both these teams are pretty even though in terms of offense defensive points. Jersey gives up seventeen, scores seventeen. Philly scores twenty three and a half, gives up twenty three. So you know it's the same thing. But uh, yeah, and their their rushing attack is going to continue to have good numbers, or the the rushing defense for the Generals, seventy two and a half rushing yards against per game. Like I said, Philly doesn't run the ball very well. So I think those numbers are going to be fine. Technically, when you look at it, out of the six statistics that Fox Sports puts on these previews on their app, Jersey wins four out of six. 
they win rushing yards on offense, and then defense, they win all three. Points allowed, passing yards allowed, rushing yards allowed. Granted, they got a big boost by that game against the Panthers, only allowing six points and uh, not many rushing or passing yards. I I just think Brian Scott's going to be too good. And, and uh-huh. it might be a pretty good game. That's if if Jersey can continue to run the ball like they have. Yeah, I mean, but I agree with you, though. I, I think that uh, Philly ends up taking this one because, like you said, Brian Scott's been a, uh, a surprise, and he's actually been probably the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the league so far. And you mentioned Jersey's game against the Panthers last week. Is that more of an outlier than like what the product we actually saw on the field? I don't know. Like, again, it's only game three in this league. So we don't really know how good or bad these teams are just yet, but from what we've seen so far, yeah, I think that Philly has the advantage in this one. Yeah, and Philly wouldn't have a loss if they wouldn't have played New Orleans week one. Uh, and Jersey lost by four to the Stallions week one. So uh, I am mad. I'm not going to be able to watch this game, though. Um, unless someone's got a login I can use. Because it's at 8 p.m. on Sunday night. But it's on Peacock. I don't have a Peacock login. So I hate that all these sports leagues are doing that now. Because even in, in baseball, now it's Amazon Prime exclusive games. Like I'm not going to be able to watch a single Thursday night game on NFL this year. Well, you know me. I'll, I'll pay for the subscription. Yeah, you'll Stupid end up Stupid Amazon it. Prime. <laughs> I'm not paying for a Peacock subscription, though, right now. Not when we don't know if the league is going to play all 10 games or not. (laughs) Like we've seen the last two. If you got a Peacock subscription just to watch the USFL, I think you would be truly a football addict. You might need (laughs) to be admitted. (laughs) My parents say that all the time that I need to stop. It's fine. I don't have a problem, okay? I'm not at the first step yet. <laughs> I'm just reverse denial. That's that's how we do it. <laughs> uh, but this game here, the stars are two and a half point favorites. Over under is forty and a half. I'm gonna go with the under. I think it's gonna be close, but I think it, it goes under. Maybe you get to thirty eight or something like that. Uh, I forgot. I don't think I mentioned the the spread and the over under for the other game, uh, the Sunday game. The Panthers two point favorites against the Maulers, thirty nine and a half on that one. I'm going under. How could you not just absolutely hammer the under in that game? Like I said, the Maulers are scoring thirteen and the Panthers are scoring nine. Come on, <laughs> that's not even close. <laughs> No. So yeah, I would I would absolutely hammer the thirty nine and a half under for that Panthers uh-huh. Panthers Maulers game. 
Okay. Uh, nothing is popping up on the Twitter feed, so Logan's time to shine. <laughs> yes, sir. It's my Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. So how do you want me to do this? Do you want me to run through and give a little bit of give, – give a couple quips? Do you want me let's, to just run through and then you guys – Let's do it in in uh, in quarters. So do eight picks at a time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Number one overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got Aiden Hutchinson. Number two to Detroit, I got Trevon Walker. Number three to the Texans, I got Kayvon Thibodeau. Number four to Chris's Jets, I got Ikem Aquanu. Number five to New York Giants, I got Evan Neal. Six to the Panthers, I got Charles Cross. Seven to the Giants, I got Edge Jermaine Johnson. And eight to the Falcons, I got Kyle Hamilton. And I want to say at the outset, this is a predictive mock draft in my end. I am not the GM in this one. This is simply what I think could happen Thursday night. So don't at me at your respective GM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to say, you threw me off right away. Uh, not with the Hutchinson pick. I think everybody expects that to be number one at this point. Mm-hmm. But right away with number two, with Johnson to the or, or not Tigers to the Lions. Walker. I think that was yeah Walker or Walker. I mean, sorry, yeah. Walker to the to to the Lions. I think that was uh, already right right off the bat a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I am. No. Go ahead, Rusty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know if. Y'all have seen Trayvon Walker is now the betting favorite to go number one. He has moved from plus 150 to minus 150, I believe it is now. So, again, we're Draft Monday. It's like April Fool's every year. You know, <laughs> draft Monday, you don't, know, you, you don't know who to trust. You know, Your best friend's putting out these, these retweets on Twitter, and, and you, <laughs> you know... Which ones are the truth and which ones aren't? It's the rumor mills are churning out some some good stuff right now. But uh, I still believe Trayvon Walker is going to go number one. And uh, Hutchinson, too. I know, uh, I forget who was saying, when I was watching ESPN out there right before the show, I forget who was saying that. Uh, I don't remember. So they had a couple couple guys on there, and they all were talking about which which things they believe at this point. Thibodeau to the Texans at three—that's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Texans yeah. are a wild card. No one knows what Texans are doing at three. That's because the Texans need so much <laughs> that they could literally go in any direction, except yeah. quarterback. Well, yeah, but nobody's going quarterback that early anyway. I think the Broncos, hey. or not the Broncos, the Seahawks are the first team that could go quarterback, I think. The Lions could at two. We, we've seen mock drafts, man. Jordan Reed, I, I keep going back to his mock draft because he was the first person that I saw put Malik Willis at two. And now everyone's going like, yeah, like Malik Willis at two. Let's do it. And then we even saw 
on a couple of our uh, of our mock drafts uh, on the Draft Network's platform. Uh-huh. You know, when we weren't doing the Lions and Malik Willis goes too. So I think two Lions at two is a little bit of a stretch. But, you know, Panthers at six are an option still. Uh, obviously, the run at tackles isn't interesting. And then Kyle Hamilton getting to eight. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to comment on the Jets, too, because obviously they're my team. In this scenario, the first three picks, I think Iquanu would be my pick here. But I do not want to see the Jets take an offensive lineman with number four. <laughs> but in this scenario, I think that would probably be the best available option at number four. Yeah. Yeah, I have gotten that consensus from Jets fans that I think, you know, I think the the hope is that it's edge at four, and then wide receiver at 10, right? I think that's been... I mean, I also really like Sauce, so I wouldn't mind seeing him go at four, or if he makes it to 10, I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. seeing them take him at 10. I've also seen... I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk of the Jets trading out of 10, whether that be with Philly or another team in those teens, and then I'd be okay with them getting the receiver in that scenario. But I, I think it should be both defensive picks in this first round for the Jets. Okay. Next eight, Logan. All right. Let's see here. All right. So at nine, we got Seattle taking Mod Sauce Gardner, as they came in the draft. At 10, Rusty, you're going to hate me for this one. This is the only projected trade I have in this box draft, but I have the Pittsburgh Steelers trading up with Chris's Jets to take quarterback Malik Willis. At 11, I got Washington, Holden Path taking Drake London, wide receiver USC. 12, I got the Vikings going cornerback Derek Stingley. At 13, I got the Texans double-dipping at defensive line, taking Jordan Davis, the menace from Georgia. 14, I got the Ravens going with George Karloftis, edge out of Purdue. 15, I got the Eagles adding another elite separator in Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. And then 16, New Orleans, I got Jamison Williams going to the Saints. I I like... Williams, because I feel like after his injury, a lot of people are writing him off and kind of forgetting about him. Even if he's not ready for the first quarter or half of the season or however long he's going to take to get on the field, I think once he returns to the field, he might end up being the best receiver in this draft, which I think a lot of people thought he was going to be prior to the injury. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be a steal for New Orleans if they get that. Yeah. I'll say this much. I think if. If Jameis Williams doesn't get hurt, I think he is a lock to be the first wide receiver off the board. And he mm-hmm. still could be, in my opinion. I think you could see the Falcons taking him at number eight. I think he could really go that high. I think, I mean, you look at speed kills, right? And every team's looking to chase it. So, I mean, if Henry Ruggs can be the first wide receiver taken in a draft that included Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy... I would not be surprised to see Jamison William as the wide receiver one taken on Thursday. 
Yeah. And uh, just just my other thought in this uh, group, the trade that you made obviously was my Jets trading out, and Rusty can probably comment on this too because it's his Steelers trading into the spot. But that was a mock trade that we've seen for a long time now because the Steelers mm-hmm. were one of the most notorious quarterback needy teams in those late teens and early 20s there. And they are the only quarterback needy team that has not moved yet. Obviously, Washington moved with the Carson Wentz trade. And they, I mean, they now have Carson Wentz. So I don't know if they're going to go quarterback anymore. Seattle, like I said before, is another team I could see going corner or quarterback. Uh, and there's a couple other teams. So I don't know if 10 is going to be enough or going to be enough for them to get the quarterback. Obviously, you had them going, Willis, which, I mean, I know Rusty wouldn't like that, obviously. And I I agree. I think that Pickett would be the better fit there. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my rationale for this trade was that, you know, there have been rumblings of the Jets wanting to trade out of 10. And there have been rumblings that – Pittsburgh would be willing to trade up for a quarterback if they fell out of the top 10. And there have been reports that Tomlin is enamored with Malik Willis. So for a predictive mock, that's the way I went. And because I had um, the Panthers and Seahawks going at different positions, I felt like that would be, if the board fell that way, I think that's when you would see the Steelers kind of pull the trigger. Yeah, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> uh, they had on, on ESPN the percent uh, predicted of the the percentage of what chances each quarterback would be at each quarterback needy spot. And at the Steelers, it was w- between Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. And the Steelers, they had 16% with Malik Willis, 26% with Kenny Pickett. So I don't know because the Steelers don't like trading first-round picks. They've only done it a handful of times. Last time they did it was for Mika Fitzpatrick, which worked out stunningly well. The last time they did a move like this was in 20. 20- 15, I believe it was. Traded from 20 to 10 with the Broncos to go get Devin Bush. Uh, So, I'm not so sure, especially with the class we have next year, that the Steelers would be willing to trade a first-round pick next year to go get a quarterback this year. I think they're going to wait. I think they're going to wait and see who's there at 20. Because how it's sounding with the quarterbacks this year is that once you hit 20, that is when you're going to see sweet spot 20 to 32, where we could see two, either the second and third quarterbacks go, or maybe even the first and second quarterbacks go. Uh, 
and they might just end up like the Patriots did last year with a pretty good pick if they just wait on Kenny Pickett. And even if they do have to trade up, I think at the most it would be to 15 with the Eagles to get ahead in New Orleans. Um, whether that's with, for whoever. But I don't, I don't know if, if they're willing to trade a, a first-round pick next year for an unsure guy with the class that we have coming out next year. Well, that being said, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just want to like kind of follow up the question. Where do you expect their first-round pick next year to be, though? <clears throat> like, Do you expect yeah. them to be a playoff team, or do you think they're going to be like the first half of the draft next year? Look, even even if they don't make the playoffs, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. So at the very worst, yeah, but he's they're going to be never nine had and Mitch eight. Trubisky as quarterback, bro. They went eight and eight with Duck Hodges <laughs> and uh, Mason Rudolph. That's true. So if anyone can go nine and eight at the worst with Mitchell Trubisky, it's Mike Tomlin because he's actually <laughs> a coach. So, at the very worst, and you're looking at history of Mike Tomlin, they're going to go 9-8. and eight. And with how loaded the AFC is, who knows? 9-8 and eight might get you at 7th spot in the playoffs. Yeah. And they had the defense to, to, I think, the defense gets them at least 5 wins. Uh, so, you're telling me Mitch Trubisky can't get you 4 wins? He proved that he could before. Yeah. So here's here's why I would say that if I'm the Steelers, I would be okay with trading up to get their quarterback, whoever that may be. It's not Willis, it's Pickett, it's not Pickett, it's Corral, it's not Corral, it's Howell. Part of it is for the reasons that you just talked about. This is a really good team, and I think they can be a good team, even with Miss Trubisky. So next year, you're picking in the 20s. You're just not going to be able to get, you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. You're not going to be in that arena to get one of the better quarterbacks in the future. Secondly, I think for any one of these guys – I think the situation is perfect in Pittsburgh as opposed to to other situations. That's why I didn't have them going with the Panthers or the Seahawks because, in my opinion, those coaching regimes are going to be gone after this season. So if you take Willis for one of those teams, he's going to be going into his sophomore season with a new coaching staff, new OC, new GM. The Steelers, Tomlin's not going anywhere. Mm. And that team is good. That team is good everywhere else except the quarterback. So that was my rationale for it. I also do not like the value of doing it. If I were the GM of the Steelers, I would not. Because, again, I don't think any of these players in this draft are worth the trade-up, right? I just don't think there's those kind of prospects. There, that, but there is. I think one. if they were, but yeah, what? 
There is one way, though, that I could see the Steelers doing this. And it's not for a quarterback. It would be if some miracle happens, one of the top three offensive tackles slipped to 10, and the Jets have already taken one at four. The Steelers need a tackle. They need offensive line help in general. Uh, I am not sold that Chuck Sokorafor and Zach Banner are the guys. Uh, especially Okorafor. I like Banner at right tackle, got injured last year, though. Um, and I know both of those guys can play, can move inside. Uh, so that that is a way I could see them going up. Because that is the only other weakness, I think. Um, I'd put quarterback one, offensive line two, and then I'd put line uh, off-ball linebacker at three in terms of Steelers' needs. Um, so that is a way I can see them going up. But getting off the Steelers anyways, London to the Commanders is also intriguing. Uh, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin there, as well as the uh, the Scott, the the slot legend, um, what's his face? Why am I blanking on his name? <laughs> I don't remember his name. I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> well, you talking about Deami Brown from UNC? No. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, I obviously don't know what your thinking was, Logan, but my thinking, at least in that scenario, would be. McLaurin is in the last year of the deal. Well, they don't have him anymore. That's why. <clears throat> yeah. McLaurin is in the last year of his deal. And, I mean, there hasn't been any rumors of him being traded like there has been with the other receivers from his draft class. But there also hasn't been any uh, news about him wanting to resign there either. So, mm-hmm. that, That's actually exactly what my rationale was. I, I do think Terry McLaurin's a guy who could be dealt. I think that the stars can align in that way. You look at how, you know, the draft capital they gave up to get Carson Wentz. They're in a position to where they can take, as they do in this in this mock, wide receiver one off the board. I think that's going to be London, could be Garrett Wilson, could be whoever they like. They could flip McLaurin to a really QB or a really wide receiver needy team, Chiefs, Green Bay, Chicago, Colts, and they could get back some of that trade value that they lost in the uh, Carson Wentz trade. Adam Humphreys. Uh, <laughs> That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and I mean, it doesn't close the door on a McLaurin extension either. Drake London has a different skill set than McLaurin. Um, So, I mean, (laughs) at worst, you just have a really sick wide receiver room. And then it's almost like Carson Wentz literally can't fail because someone's going to be open. But he can, though. (laughs) 
And still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, she can find a way, but at least, at least you're eliminating every excuse possible. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, Curtis Samuel hasn't been able to stay on the field in his couple seasons in Washington, so. Uh, I hate I hate the Derek Stingley thing, because just just because of, uh, granted, moved to a different book and they didn't transfer my futures over, so I'm not even on that book anyways. But one of the futures I did have was Derek Stingley draft position, and it's set right at twelve and a half. I had him over twelve and a half, <laughs> but everyone's mocking him to the Vikings at twelve. So. But hey, yeah. hey, we've seen this Vikings and everyone mocking the same person thing, right, Chris? <laughs> Last yeah, year? but the, the players still went in that spot, though. It was just to a different team. <laughs> it was AVT last year to the Vikings, but the Jets traded up for him. Uh, Carlotta's, that's, that's a pretty high pick for Carlotta's 14. Yeah, you know, I'm higher on Carlotta's than I think at least the media and everybody else's. I personally think teams are going to be out around him. Um, and I think he's a good fit in Baltimore because they got kind of the hyper-athletic um, speed guy in Odafeowe. Karlaftis is, I mean, he's pretty athletic too, but he's also a bull rush, physical kind of guy. I know that there's... You know, there's been some talk about kind of some of his tape, especially against Ohio State. But the thing is, is in that game, Ohio State's entire offensive game plan was around <laughs> eliminating Karnakis. And they could do that because, I mean, there's no other defenders from Purdue that are coming out in this class. <laughs> yeah. So I think if you put him on a... NFL D-line, you're going to be able to see him reach that potential. I just didn't know in in my mind if he could stand up as an outside linebacker. The Ravens run a 3-4. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he can, he can, he can transition to OLB. Um, love the Garrett Wilson pick. And, yeah, Jameson Williams has been going to New Orleans – a bunch uh-huh. that I've seen too. Just saw a video mm-hmm. today about his uh, ACL rehab is going pretty well. So. Uh-huh. And that would be a great yeah. pick for Jameis Winston too. With that deep arm of his. Yeah, when they mm-hmm. get him. When they get him. If that if that's week one, I'm not so sure. I mean, he looks good. He looks good in his rehab, but yeah, not completely sure that it's going to be week one. Yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. 17 through 24. All right. 17 to the Chargers. I got Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State. 18 to your Eagles. I got cornerback Trent McDuffie. 19, New Orleans up again. I got tackle Trevor Penning. The Jets, they traded down with Pittsburgh. They get Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. The Pats, up at 21, cornerback, Kyir Elam. 22 to my Packers, I got offensive tackle, Tyler Smith. 
23 to the cards, I got defensive lineman Defonte Wyatt. And then number 24 to the Cowboys, I got linebacker Devin Lloyd. <laughs> Olave. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so they just paid Mike Williams. And they have Keenan Allen. Well, I was going to say, what's Keenan Allen's situation there? He should have I don't a, know off the top of my head. He should have at least two years, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't, the Chargers, I don't think they're a receiver away. I mean, they signed, they, they, they obviously filled a lot of their holes in free agency. With signing uh-huh. some of the defensive linemen they that they got, they got Cleo Mack obviously, uh, but they also didn't re-sign Brian Balaga. Still a free agent right now, and obviously they hit a home run and Rashawn Slater, but I just don't know who's going to protect Trevor Lawrence's front side. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin. Herbert. <laughs> they look the same. They both have long hair. <laughs> no, but <clears throat> I think the Chargers are one of the teams in the draft with their needs and their draft position don't really meet up very well. Mm-hmm. So they're more of a BPA kind of draft in this position. They're yeah. best player available. And there's an argument for Chris Olave being best player available at this spot. So, yeah, and I mean, you can never have too much receiver depth either. So, yeah, that that is, that was kind of my rationale with this. Um, you know, when I looked at the board, I am I am very low on this tackle class outside of the top tier one guys in Cross, Neil, Aquanu, um, Penning. Even though I have him going nineteen, again, this is a predictive draft. I think he'll go top twenty. I don't think he's a first-round talent. Um, I don't like Raymond either, and Tyler Smith. I like that's why you know I have him in the top thirty-two. I think he's going to go in the first round. But for me, Penning is—he's super raw, man. He is. I mean, he's a physical freak of nature, right? I mean, he's—he's he's as big as a house, but he's a penalty machine. He's grabby, and his physical play led to personal fouls at, at the FCS level. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy in Trevor Penning that I don't think can just come in right away and be a good right tackle. Um, so at 17, when I was on the board for the Chargers, I was like, you know, we can bring Bulaga back or we can sign another kind of stopgap RT for the moment who can be at least decent this year. Is Fisher still out there too, or did he sign somewhere? Hope he's still available. Yeah. Yeah. So now the Chargers wide receiver room is really good. Mike Williams is a good receiver. Ken Allen's one of the best separators. Um, <laughs> Jalen Guyton's pretty good. Um <laughs> Josh Palmer, developing um, wide receiver out of Tennessee. But to me, I think Chris Olave could be 
very impactful for this offense, right? I think he could be a guy that, like, you kind of forget about if you're a defensive coordinator, and then he just kills you and gets, like, two deep balls, two touchdowns, and it just causes problems, especially in the AFC West where Chiefs, Raiders, those secondaries are pretty rough. So that's what I went with the Lave. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they take, like, one of these tackles. Yeah, that's my thing with the division and the pass rushers that are in the division. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, they only have one edge rusher in Frank Clark. Now, Chris Jones, technically defensive tackle, but he thrived playing edge later in the season. Uh, but then the other two teams, the Broncos and Raiders, I mean, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, and then the one I'm really scared about is Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Uh-huh. That one, I think, is the best pass rush duo mm-hmm. in the division. Outside of the outside of the Chargers. Outside of the Chargers. Outside of the Chargers. We can't talk about the Chargers because obviously they're not going to tackle their own guy. Uh, practice there. Yeah, okay. Like, like <laughs> Justin Herbert gets touched. I, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's the only reason I, I think about the, the tackle. Uh, unless they bring back Balaga somehow. Uh, he's... <clears throat> He hasn't played much in <laughs> a couple of last seasons. So, uh, I like McDuffie for the Eagles. Penny, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a home run first round for the the Saints. The issue is, did I? I didn't know. Did Penning play left at UNI. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was. I wasn't sure. Just because I, you know, had mocked him to the Chargers so much that he was going to play right tackle for them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, if he played left at UNI, then, you know, they they have that whole massive hole on the left side. Uh, I mean, you said he's not going to be ready to play, but if he would get drafted by the Saints, he's going to have to. They don't have anyone uh, else. They have no, no other players at left tackle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you put him in the right system, right, I think you could develop quicker than anticipated. Saints do have they, – they're pretty good at developing um, offensive linemen uh, when you look at a guy like Brian Ramchick. Um, so, I mean, I do think it would be a good fit, and then he doesn't have to convert to RT either. He can just stick at LT. I was going to um, say, unless you do that, and you know you have Ramchick that's already very good. Would moving him to the other side in a more important position and then putting Penning at right tackle work or not? You could. I mean, and that might be why they paid Ramchick all that money. Maybe they were anticipating a move to left tackle. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting too because just knowing the Eagles – how they did you know they drafted lane johnson fourth overall in 2013 and with the expectation that he would eventually go to left tackle and now he's arguably the best right tackle in the nfl and he just never went to the left side except for a couple spot 
things that he had to because they didn't have other mm-hmm. other people there. But you know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting situation when what these teams decide to do with these guys basing the sides. Which personally, I never played offensive line except for center in in youth ball, but. I mean, I know how to kick step, and I, I don't think there's very much of a difference in terms of pass protection. Anyways, now it's definitely different when you look at the run game, and you know which side you're going. You know, some offenses have the tackles pulling too, just like the guards. You know, so that's a different rip arm and whatnot, but. In terms of pass protection, I don't left tackle, right tackle. I don't see a big difference. Um, that's just me, though. Uh, Chris, do you, you like Burks? Yeah, I. That's the one thing, obviously, that stuck stuck out to me in this uh, section. Burks, I'm probably a little higher on than some of the other receivers. That's partially due to the fact that early on mock drafts had him as either the top receiver or one of the top receivers as opposed to what is that the fourth or fifth guy off the board in yours here Logan um, mm-hmm. but so I don't really know why he fell it, whether it was his own doing or if it was just the other guys kind of have passed him in the like combine and all that other stuff other guys had better um, combines <laughs> yeah so i mean this is to me this is just one of those things where people put too much stock in the combine yep and burks is actually still one of the better receivers in this draft so if the jets do do this in this scenario and trade back 10 spots and still get burks i would love that and yeah. the only way I wouldn't like this is if they do go out and get a guy like Debo Samuel. Even though I don't want Debo mm-hmm. Samuel, but if they do already get an established veteran guy, I don't think they need to go receiver in the first round. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my rationale for the Jets here was you look at the guys who they've been connected to this offseason. Apart from Tyreek Hill, you got... A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. You know, I think they are looking for that very physical guy. And in this class, it's Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks has fallen because of the combine. He didn't test as well as people expected. They kind of expected him to be this kind of athletic freak. But I think his athletic testing has become way overblown. People are saying he's a big guy who can't run fast. He can run fast. It's just a matter of getting him out in space so that he can accelerate. He has a second gear that is special. In On the play, I believe he had a 95-yard touchdown run last year. On that play, his top speed came out to 22 miles per hour. That is, that is blazing for anybody, let alone a guy who's 225. So I still love Burks. I'm high on him. He's a guy that if he somehow falls to 22, I would love in green and gold. But I do think he would be a great fit um, for the Jets. 
Uh-huh. I mean, he still ran. Didn't he still run 4-4? Four, four? No, he ran 4-5. Okay. Uh, the next four, I thought were were fun as well. Elam is a guy that we've had in mock drafts. We had him to the Patriots when we had Darius <coughs> on uh, for uh-huh. the Patriots mock draft, and it's interesting because I I don't know like where that line is for teams with first round corners. Because uh, I feel like Elam's right on the border of whether he goes in the first or whether he goes early second, you know. Because uh-huh. I, I think he's that last guy uh, that is first-round eligible, really. Yeah. Um, your Packers? Tyler Smith? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <laughs> Tyler Smith. So, Tyler Smith is my dark horse first round guy who I think is going to be there. And again, this is a predictive match, so this isn't necessarily what I would do. I wouldn't be terribly mad if I saw Tyler Smith go to us at 22. The reason I picked him here is because he fits every threshold that the Packers have, and the Packers are one of those teams that have specific thresholds that guys have to meet. They have size, athleticism, and age profiles if i was a gm i would have loved Devonte wyatt here because to me he's the best interior pass rusher in this class and i would love to put him next to kenny clark on the d-line but he's 24 packers categorically will not draft him because he's too old in their book mm-hmm. so tyler smith tyler smith is 21 he is about 6'5 325 pounds and his relative athletic score was about 8.77. So he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and he's got their age threshold. I think he's a guy who could play left guard and then eventually kick out um, in a pinch and develop into the LT of the future. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Cardinals with Devontae Wyatt, I agree with that selection. If I think if if there's a if Elam would be there, I think the Cardinals have to jump on a corner if there's one worth of the spot because I mean behind Byron Murphy are two guys that are that are decent. You know, Marco Wilson, former draft pick of the Colts. And then the first former first round pick for the Vikings, Jeff Gladney, they signed him um, after his legal troubles, but they don't have much after those three. So I think if they if they need a if there's a corner there, I think that's definitely what they got to get. But I, I like the Wyatt pick. Otherwise, um, I could see a receiver for them too. Really, you know they they re-signed AJ Green, but Rondale Moore wasn't that exciting in his rookie season. Uh, obviously, they still had Christian Kirk there to be the number two to D-Hop. But, you know, D-Hop's been getting injured recently. So, I think a little insurance policy at the wide receiver position, too, would be a possibility mm-hmm. for Arizona. Yeah, I think if Burks falls there, I think they sprint in the card. Like I think oh. that is, like, the guy they would be looking for. 
Christian Watson, maybe, because he also has that kind of big time speed. You can use him on jet sweeps and stuff, but that's a little rich for my blood. I think it's probably a little rich for other teams too on him. So that's why I ended up going pass rusher because after losing Chandler Jones and JJ Watt just cannot stay healthy. Like they don't have anybody who can rush the passer. Oh, they got some the best guys. interior rusher in this class. But. They got some guys that I like. Marcus Golden is very underrated. Then they got I forget what I forget what his his nickname was, but he has a guy. I'd have to look it up, but this guy has a great nickname. Dennis Gardeck, though, love Dennis Gardeck. He's even more underrated because people don't know about him. And then uh, Devon Kennard. They also have him at, at outside linebacker as well. So, I like those three, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Devin Lloyd to the Cowboys. So, is that a move to keep Micah Parsons at edge? So, for me, so my rationale on this is. Devin Lloyd to me is kind of like a diet Micah Parsons. Like, he is an off-ball linebacker who has pass rush upside that you can use at Hallby. For me, you put him and Micah Parsons on the same front seven, you can have unparalleled versatility in your front seven. And... That'll just be, it can make up for the loss of Randy Gregory. It can, you know, you can still use Micah Parson as um, off-ball edge. You can switch those guys up. Um, Whoever rushes the passer can drop into coverage. Whoever, you know, whatever the assignments, you can mix them up. So that's, that's why I went with that one, even though they do also have Jabril Cox on the roster. I just think the versatility would be really fun to watch. And they re-signed Leighton Van Der Esch. <clears throat> um, yeah, for me, I, I I think the Cowboys have to go offensive line. Uh, obviously, there's not a tackle, but there's interior guys available, Zion Johnson, Tyler Linderbaum uh-huh. uh, as well for the Cowboys, I think would be other solid selections. <clears throat> Alright, last eight. I'm getting hungry. Alright. <laughs> Alright, here we go. 25. We got Tyler Linderbaum, center Iowa, going to the Bills. 26, Tennessee Titans are taking quarterback Desmond Ritter. 27, the Buccaneers, I got taking interior D lineman Travis Jones. 28, my Packers are taking George Pickens, wide receiver, Georgia. 29, I got the Chiefs taking Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. At 30, again, I have the Chiefs taking Andrew Booth Jr., quarterback out of Clemson. 31, I got the Bengals taking Lewis Seen, safety out of Georgia. And at 32, quarterback Kenny Pickett goes to the Lions. Wow. There's some... uh... Surprise picks in that, uh, in that uh, section there. I think the two most obvious ones were the 
Packers and Chiefs wide receivers there. Um, I think a lot of people, regardless of who they are, have the Packers and Chiefs picking wide receivers back-to-back in those two picks. Um, I've seen the reverse of that a lot, actually, with Christian Watson going to Green Bay and uh, Pickens going to Kansas City. Um, But let's reverse a couple picks there. I think the first surprise for me was uh, your second pick there with um, now I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Ritter. Desmond Ritter? Yeah, Desmond Ritter uh, going to the Titan. Uh, Obviously, Tannehill hasn't been the answer uh, in Tennessee, but also I, I feel like quarterback isn't well, the quarterback's always important, but for a team like the Titans, I don't think quarterback is a huge need because they have a guy like Derrick Henry in the backfield. So as long as they have a guy that can carry the load like Henry, they just need a quarterback that can do the play-action stuff and they'll win nine or ten games every year. Um, I think their problem was the defense. Now – off the top of my head, based on your mock drafts, I can't think of who's uh, available on defense at that pick. But, um, I mean, there's a guy that you picked 31, was it, with the Bengals, Lewis Seen, or yeah. 32 with – or not 32, with 30 with Andrew Booth. Mm. Those two guys, I think, would fit there too um, because, like I said, the Titans – uh, defense, specifically the secondary, was just atrocious last year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, part of me going offense with here and going QB, I'm baking in, hopefully, Caleb Farley, their first-round selection last year, can stay healthy. That's a big if. So, if I were them, I definitely would build in some um, insurance I think they can do that later in the draft. For me, I think the Titans are at a crossroads at a team. They can do one of two things. They can look to the future, or they can double down, try and win now. The reason why I went with kind of going to the future, Derek Henry's coming off a pretty major injury, which he missed quite a lot of time. Um, When you look at running backs, now, he's a different breed. Obviously, he is ginormous. He is just a different running back. But the cutoff comes sooner than expected, especially if you have a guy coming off of injuries. And we saw last year, Tannehill just wasn't the guy that could carry them once Derek Henry was gone. So for my money here, I got a guy, Desmond Ritter, who – in the interim, while we still got Derrick Henry, hopefully a couple of years of Derrick Henry's prime, we can develop under Tannehill, and then hopefully he can move into the starting role. Yeah, I think the Titans have more holes than people think. Uh, I'm seeing three right now in terms of just positions, not actual number of spots. But, uh, you know, nose tackle, they lost Daquan Jones to the Bills in free agency. So, Tyre Tart is their nose tackle right now. 
Um, and offensive line, the guard spots specifically, Aaron Brewer and Nate Davis are slotted in. Like I said, there's still a guy there. You didn't you didn't put him in the first round. Zion Johnson, uh, I think, is the number one guard available. I don't know. Tyler Smith has positional <coughs> versatility, I think, to play either. But, uh, yeah, I think Zion Johnson would be a stupendous pick outside of what you have in Ritter. And then wide receiver. I mean, the A.J. Brown rumors, obviously – but even with AJ Brown, you know they have AJ Brown, Robert Woods, and then the next guy is Nick Nick Westbrook Akina, uh, is your third receiver. Now, they do have a guy they drafted in the fourth round two years ago, and Des Fitzpatrick, who's been developing, um, and I think he could be an option as that third receiver. But and it's pretty, it's pretty thin, after after the top two guys. So, you know Watson, I could see even getting up to Tennessee at 26 possibly. Um, I think that would be a good fit as well. There. Um, I, actually, I was going to say Travis Jones, too, to the Titans would, would be a good pick when he went the, the pick after that uh, to Tampa, which I think is great. You know, They still haven't signed, re-signed Adama and Sue yet, so uh, to go with the cheaper, younger option at the... Uh, defensive end it you have him d end right because vita vea goes yeah i think what you do is you have vita vea at kind of the one tech or nose and then you got travis jones kind of at that three tech he can play three tech he played three tech at um at uconn and he's got the athleticism to kind of move he can he can generate some interior pass rush so that's where i would put him yeah i mean he was he was awesome at the senior bowl uh, disruptive as hell. Uh, yeah, Pickens, Pickens to the Packers. That's that's a good one. Uh, he is, he him coming back to play a couple plays in the SEC title game, and then to play the entire national championship. I think was awesome to see for one. Um, but yeah, I mean the Packers, they're gonna get, they're gonna get a jump ball, big six four guy that can uh, do it all and he's faster than people think so yep bingo that's and so George Pickens is my draft crush this year this is the guy (laughs) this is the guy needing green and gold he just has that alpha x mentality he's big he's six three six four just a just a hair under 200 pounds and the thing why I think he's a really good fit in Green Bay and why I think he is probably pretty high on their board is he's a really good uh, run blocker. Mm-hmm. The Packers ask their wide receivers to block on the outside a ton because of the sweeps, the zone concepts to the outside. So he, he really can do a lot of things. And I think the big question mark, um, coming into the offseason for him was, you know, is he healthy? Well, he went to the combine and he ran 4-4. <laughs> so, I mean, the the injury is doing well. Like you said, he can move a lot better than people give him credit for. And I just think he would be he would be the number one option that we, we sorely need right now. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the... 
Obviously, the Chiefs need to draft the receiver. But I'm going to go to the last two. Seen being the second safety over Brisker, uh, Jalen Petrie as well. <coughs> that's that's a move. Yeah. It, it's just interesting, too, that in general that you had seen going in the first round. Because I've seen a lot of mock drafts that don't have any other safeties other than Hamilton going in the first round. Like all those mm-hmm. other guys that Rusty just mentioned. They're all projected in the early second round. So, mm-hmm. so seeing creeping into the first round for me might be a product of Packers draft Twitter because Packers draft Twitter is in now mm-hmm. with Lewis seen and wants him, if not at 28, at 22. Now, I am not in um, fact. I have been hearing some round one conversation to me, it would be in the bottom two picks where I have it here. Um, and the reason why I went with the Bengals is because of the Jesse Bates contract. Um, extension talks don't look like they're happening anytime soon. And, I mean, he can still get playing time uh, year one. You can put him in the slot. Hopefully, you know, you, you want it with this pick at 31, I think you want to – Make sure that Eli Apple stays off the field as much as possible, <laughs> whether that's through a safety or a cornerback. Um, take your pick, but <laughs> that, that's why I went with C here. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the other surprising part about that pick, too, is, uh, I mean, I know that the Bengals kind of addressed it in the offseason through free agency. Um and so I guess it's not as big of a need now, but it still is a need for them. But And there's probably not too many guys available at this pick, but offensive line was a huge need for them, obviously, coming into the offseason. They mm-hmm. fixed it a little bit, signing... Um, wow, I'm blanking. Well, they, they yeah. got Kappa and Collins. And, yeah. and they signed Ted Karras. But yeah. as we've seen in the last few Super Bowls, with the Chiefs, with their offensive line struggles in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, and then pretty much throughout the entire playoffs for the Bengals last year, you can never have too much offensive line help. Mm. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was a record, but the Bengals definitely came close to the record if it wasn't the record of number of times sacked in the playoffs. Oh, it was. They did. It was the record? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, nine against yeah. the Titans. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I don't think – I think they can wait with what they did in free agency. Looking at their depth chart, I really like their five. And even their backups are, are pretty good. Uh, you know, the starting five from left to right, Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, who they drafted, uh, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins, the right side's going to be fantastic for them. Uh, that should be where they run more often than not. But then, you know, they have Trey Hill as a backup interior guy who's been pretty decent for them. Um, and then a guy they also drafted backing up uh, Carmen right now is uh, Hakeem Adeniji. Um, they they do need to get that backup swing tackle, though, which I think they can mm-hmm. do in the second round. Because if with the guys that went here, especially with Tyler Smith going in the first round, I think it it would be a stretch for it. the next tackle which would probably be Bernard Raymond, I would think. 
So, you know. Like I said, though, hey, like I said, my option for the trade back with the Bengals is <laughs> is still there, yep. which I came up with on the fly on uh, – that was on Friday, I think it was. <laughs> Chris, I said the Falcons come up to 31 from – I think they're at 39 or 42, something like that. Something like that, yeah. They come up to 31 and get Matt Corral Mm -hmm. in front of the Lions. Yeah. And the way this board uh, works, especially if they want to go safety or DB here, that would be very advantageous because, like you guys said, Brister, Jalen Petrie, Dax Hill, Kyler Gordon, those guys are all still on the board and would likely – one of those guys would still be on the board at 43. Yeah. I, I think that would be a win-win if the, if the Bengals can get out of the first round. Uh, and then Pickett, he's my guy. My ride-or-die Pittsburgher. I don't want to see him in Honolulu Blue. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, that's solid. Had it's uh, it's interesting. I wrote it down, so I mean, yeah. I, obviously, I had the picture too that you sent me. But we yeah, will, we I, I think you have a in high high chance of a success rate there with a lot of your picks there. This will, this will be this will be sitting on on top of my cooler. That is going to be my. Uh, my stand <laughs> on my side <laughs> off camera stand where I'm going to have all my papers for Thursday night. Uh, but yeah, that is the show for today. Uh, it'll be USFL week four. We'll be talking about next Monday, but uh, yeah, we'll be recapping USFL week three um, as well as the NFL draft. We will talk about all of our reactions to just general reactions um, to the first round specifically, and uh, any other sleepers that we really loved in the second and third day of the draft. Um, and then, you know, we won't have a show Friday because of the draft, but, you know, that Friday after that is when we will have our... Actually, I, I got to switch that up because I said on Friday that the next Friday show would be our first... Uh, uh, division specific draft recap what we like to call the 8th round series um, <laughs> but nice. that will be actually our second one cause the Monday show after or no, never mind. what am I saying no, yeah, <laughs> the next Friday show will be our first one I'm, I'm just confusing myself at this point it's, it's cause I'm hungry <laughs> it's cause I'm hungry yep. And the dining hall that I go to closes in 22 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> gotta go. We gotta go. Um, but yeah, that's the show for today. Uh, had a lot of fun talking ball, all kinds of yep. ball. And uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube. Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Go check out our new Instagram posts. 
that Chris finally got up. Yes, I know. <laughs> nice. With all of our previous mock drafts um, from the last couple of shows. And uh, happy draft week, y'all. And we will see you Wednesday night. We'll put a post out when we get the time nailed down for our mock draft. Yep. Our complete <clears throat> one and only complete 2022 first round mock draft mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. All right. All right, y'all. We will see you on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday.